the expanded $600 a week unemployment expires. There's that cliff. It's Trump, Turkey Mitch, Turkey Neck Mitch, Nancy, and Slow Joe in the back with you guys hanging off the cliff. Thank you, Colin Tooley, for the spirited graphic. So you got six days till the cliff comes, and they're just starting to make initial offers. Offers. Isn't that a little backwards? They're just making the initial offer. Again, I said it last week. If this were a matter of bailing out the banks, bailing out the oil companies, bailing out the pharmaceutical companies, bailing out the defense industry, it could be done in a day. Because when it's up, when it's a matter of the real, the real uh, backbone of America, that would be the special interests. Oh, Congress could work lickety split, as we've seen. But for working people who are hanging off a cliff in six days, the first offer is coming this week. And that offer, apparently from Republicans and Steve Mnuchin, is to incentivize uh, businesses to bring people back to work safely with payroll tax cuts, which literally are not even real tax cuts. Look at this. Dave Dayen of the American Prospect tweeted, the administration is eyeing structuring a payroll tax cut in the legislation as a deferral rather than an outright cut, which would keep down the technical costs of the overall bill, according to the person briefed on the package who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private deliberations. Such a deferral could require Americans to pay back the tax cut at a later date. Uh, tax cut at a later date. So let's get this straight, okay? Not only are you facing an eviction, so not only during a pandemic where over 50 million people have filed for unemployment, are you expected to pay back months of rent, like now, and pay first of the month coming up in August? Literally, you're going to have mass evictions if something isn't done immediately in the form of a continuation of the moratorium on rent. And frankly, just cancel the f***ing rent. Who in their right mind thinks millions of working people unemployed are going, going to have the funds to back pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars? What world are these people living in? But now they want to offer a payroll tax cut to incentivize businesses and workers to come back amid a pandemic that is still out of control all over the country. Again, I called it a capitalist death cult months ago, and I'm calling it a capitalist death cult again. It is not safe for people to return to work. A payroll tax cut that you have to pay back later is not an incentive. It's just a delayed economic death sentence. People could not back pay rent and then back pay their tax cut. It's unbelievable. Uh, Jeff Stein of the Washington Post. If you're just tuning in, key updates on a possible stimulus, which again is not coming by Saturday. So that extended unemployment insurance is going to expire. 
Trump seems successful in pushing Senate Republicans to back a payroll tax cut, which, again, they're proposing as essentially a deferral, not a actual cut. You'd have to pay it back later. White House Senate GOP at odds over four seat dollars CDC. I think that's four billion in additional testing. GOP to propose no more dollars for state cities. Essentially, this is an even worse shit sandwich than the first bill. Only this one, it seems, is not giving trillions of dollars to corporations unless they sneak that in at the last moment, which is obviously always always possible. So I see nothing about another $1,200 check, which to me... Honestly, I wouldn't say no to it, but that we can't continue to accept crumbs during a pandemic. We need more than $1200 one-time check. Uh even the expand even if even the continuation of the $600 a week has not benefited everybody eligible because state offices are overrun. So not everybody who's eligible for the extra $600 a week has been able to get it. So you're talking about, again, in the initial Republican proposal, I'll read a little bit more. A new coronavirus relief bill being crafted by Senate Republicans at the White House would tie school funding to classrooms reopening and is likely to include a version of the payroll tax cut sought by Trump, a person briefed on the package. So Republicans, again, tie school funding to classrooms reopening. So continue continuation with risking people's health with economic incentives. As details of the legislation emerged, Trump met in the Oval Office with McConnell, McCarthy. The president said discussions were going well as the administration and Republicans aimed to form a unified front before launching contentious talks with Democrats. Mnuchin and Chief of Staff Mark Meadows plan to meet with Pelosi and Schumer on Tuesday afternoon in what could serve as the opening of formal negotiations. Both sides on Monday appeared far apart, but Mnuchin said he was hoping for some resolution by next week. Next week. So again, not to be a broken record here, but do you see the difference in urgency when it's banks that are about to fail versus actual living, breathing American people? When it's banks that are about to fail, we got to come back. From recess now. When it's banks that are about to fail, we got to bring in Ben Bernanke, who was the Federal Reserve chairman at the time during the 2008 financial crash. We got to bring in every, every top gun. We got to bring in corporate leaders to the White House. But when the working people of America are facing the economic abyss, we'll get to it next week after. After the deadline expires. And by the way, I watch CNN and MSNBC so you don't have to. I don't see any deadline clocks. You know how for the debt ceiling standoff, they have the little deadline clock to really heighten the tension? I don't see that. Maybe they'll have it in a few days. I don't see it now. I just see the real time, here's the states, here's the increases in cases, blah, 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 blah. That's important. But I don't really see much discussion about you. I don't see much discussion about 
all the people facing eviction, mass homelessness that's about to pop up, landlords trying to force their, their tenants to housing court, people without health care right now. Where's the pressure on McConnell and Pelosi to have done this weeks ago? Where's the pressure on these politicians? Oh, well, if your if your inaction is going to cause these people to be facing eviction, should we start asking about your health care? Your government-run health care? Your benefits? Should you do without while we do without? The president emphasized his support for a payroll tax cut, a policy that Democrats and a number of Republicans oppose. Trump believes it would stimulate the economy, but opponents believe it would do little for the millions of Americans who are unemployed. Quote, it's been proven to be successful and it's a big savings for the people. It's a tremendous savings. It's a tremendous saving and an incentive for companies to hire their workers back and to keep their workers The payroll tax to me is very important, Trump said. The president has previously suggested he would not sign a relief bill under a payroll tax, uh, a new relief bill, unless a payroll tax cut is included. You see, here's the issue. This Republican bullshit that we keep hearing. A payroll tax cut is not going to be a panacea that fully entices companies to hire back workers. You could give tax cuts... But if you don't have high consumer demand, if consumers don't have a lot of money in their pockets, then it really doesn't matter how much of a tax cut you give. So, you know, you want to dangle not having uh, a payroll tax that workers have to get withheld from their paycheck, but you're going to bring those workers back. Well, people are still going to be hesitant to come shop in your stores. Uh, A lot of people, even if they get hired back, owe on rent, owe on things that they couldn't, that they had to go into debt while they were unemployed. So payroll tax cut is not going to fix the consumer demand problem. You know what would fix a consumer demand problem? putting money directly into the pockets of American people without the strings attached that you have to go back to work. People should not go back to work until you get the virus under control. You can't get the virus under control if you are forcing and rushing people back to work. People should not be going back to work in Arizona, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, and all the states that are seeing massive increases right now. It's only going to perpetuate this cycle of the virus. Give people money, a direct universal basic income, indefinitely, we have the money, we just gave trillions with the snap of our fingers to corporate America, encourage them to stay home for several weeks, give Hazard pay to essential workers, food delivery, groceries, those kind of things, and have the virus shrink. Incentivizing with tax cuts is not going to have a mass increase in consumer spending. You know what will? Dramatically shrinking 
positive COVID cases, giving people the security that they could go out and shop, go out and be around people. What they're talking about doing, enticing with uh, tax cuts to rush people back to work to have companies hire people, is only going to make the virus accelerate by having more people come back to work. So in a normal situation, in a normal situation, you know, I'd say, we got to get rid of this guy. And I do want to get rid of Trump. And I'd say, whatever, I'll take, you know, I'll take a stale sandwich over him. But when the only thing you could really look forward to, if Biden wins, is not having to deal with Trump anymore, then the sadness for me comes in. Because I look at what Joe Biden just told donors at a fundraiser. I come from the corporate state of America, talking about Delaware. Many of you incorporated here, said Biden. It used to be that corporate America had a sense of responsibility beyond just CEO salaries and shareholders. Quote, corporate America has to change its ways. It's not going to require legislation. I'm not proposing any. We've got to think about how we deal people back in. Or... I represented Wall Street as a senator from New York, and I went to Wall Street in December of 2007, before the big crash that we had, and I basically said, cut it out. Quit foreclosing on homes. <laughs> what? 2007, Wall Street. In December of 2007, before the big crash that we had, and I basically said, cut it out. Quit foreclosing on homes. Can't make this stuff up. Can't make this up. Joe Biden, over 50 million people are unemployed. Tens of millions have lost their health insurance. Tens of millions are probably facing eviction in the next few weeks. It says corporate America has to change its way, but it ain't going to require me doing anything or Congress doing anything. I'm not proposing, say, legislation on, on this. No, no, no. Don't you worry. We just got to think about how we're going to deal people back in. Biden said his plans go beyond stimulus, saying the country used to invest in research and infrastructure. Quote, stimulus is trying to keep us from going into depression. He ran through a few of his proposals, stressing the caregiver crisis and infrastructure building. Oh, quote, I'm not one of those guys who thinks government knows best. But let me tell you something. Think of what we could do in terms of investing in offshore wind. There's a lot of steel we could make, man. And a lot of people can be put to work. A lot of CEOs can make a lot more money. And a lot of people can be paid a decent salary. The essence is that you've got to build the country back. Build back better. Give people an opportunity for a decent wage. And you guys might not like, might not like it. A union wage. Okay, well, this all sounds wonderful. You know. But uh, I, I kind of look at the company one keeps... This is a, a fundraiser hosted by the chief operating officer of Blackstone. If you're familiar with Blackstone, largest investment company on planet Earth, has invested billions in oil and gas. 
uh, the, the world's largest private equity company is a partial owner of both Shinari Energy Partners and Eagle Claw Midstream Ventures, two major players in natural gas and shale oil. Blackstone has its fingers in pipelines through its investments in both Tallgrass Energy and Rover Pipeline, a company that made headlines a couple years for spilling millions of gallons of drilling fluid into Ohio wetlands. The PE giant also dabbles in waste management through its recently formed venture, Waterfield Midstream, cashing in on the need to dispose of the toxic wastewater produced by fracking. Blackstone's interest in the fossil, industry, fossil fuel industry is mirrored by many other private equity investors, including Apollo, the Carlyle Group, EIG Global Part, Energy Partners, KKR, TPG Capital, and Warbig, Warburg Pincus. This is from Jacobin, by the way. And BlackRock uh, lost $90 billion in investing in fossil fuel companies. Report finds. So that's who he's telling uh, Blackstone. That's who he's telling, basically, the Hillary Clinton 2.0. That's Joe Biden's version of cut it out. Guys, you got to change your ways. I mean, I'm not going to force you here. I'm not proposing anything that will threaten you to recklessly endanger the environment, to expand the insane wage gap. You know, I'm not going to force you to do the right thing here. I'm not going to force you not to exploit workers. I'm not going to propose anything that would seriously threaten your profits. We're not going to cut the subsidies we give you as a federal government. Wall Street gets about 60 to 70 billion dollars in subsidies every year. All of this talk, honestly, it's very emblematic of President Obama's campaign in 2007 and 2008, only spoken by a much, much less articulate spokesperson. And this is what it comes down to. You got the whole big Twitter sphere ignoring all of this, ignoring the fact that we are just honestly returning to a worse version of neoliberalism. To me, Biden is an even worse version than Obama. But all of that is ignored because of the evil, awful we see in Trump. And the problem is, we'll have the progressives fighting Biden, that's for sure. But we're not going to have all of these resistance folks with us. They will be just fine with going back to business as usual when Biden's in there. Record Wall Street profits, record stock market, that'll be just fine. Pipeline explosions, fine. Police murdering black people, Department of Justice not doing anything. Well, you know, I'm sure President Biden is really looking into it. Droning half the world. Continuing aiding Saudi Arabia in its barbaric genocide of Yemen. Well, Biden's in there, so we could we could all just go back to tweeting about Will and Grace or whatever bullshit. 
This is why this whole situation is terrible. Because everybody's ignoring this. You got straight up corruption. Biden's literally telling donors, guys, honor system here. You got to do better. You know, maybe one yacht a year rather than three. You know, I'm counting on you, Wall Street. Stop charging higher uh, interest rates. Stop stop uh, charging higher interest rates and predatory lending on black and brown communities. I'm counting on you, honor system. I'm not a big government guy, he says. Bernie's talking about cutting 10% of the military. Not enough, but a start. I haven't heard peep from our fearless leader, Joe Biden. And although the media, you know, obviously has been pushing that Trump's down big, and he is, if the election were held today, it would be a landslide for Biden. The numbers are the numbers. NBC poll, Biden at an abysmal 26% among young voters. The Meet the Press politics team flagged that Biden is surprisingly, surprisingly, yeah, bad numbers with young voters in an NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. So does Trump, to be fair. Biden's favorability among voters age 18 to 34 is 26, 26% positive, 44 negative. That means the former vice president 18 points underwater. Trump is doing worse. Head to head, younger voters opt for Biden 62% to 23%. The numbers emphasize a frequent refrain of political punditry. Young voters may not like Biden, but they dislike Trump so much that they'll turn out to vote against him. Uh, I don't think that's what that shows. Compared, they might like Biden 62 to 23, but that's not the same thing as younger voters actually turning out for Biden. And we haven't even gotten to Biden's numbers among Latinos. I have said... And I'll continue saying, I don't count Trump out. Polls are bad now. I'm not a polling truth here. The polls are legitimate. But it could turn around quick. And that's why Biden's campaign is being very smart to keep him mostly in the basement. He's been popping out more often lately for tightly, tightly scripted speeches with teleprompter. But those debates are coming. And I would not be shocked if he screws up his vice presidential pick which should be announced pretty soon. Trump wearing a mask today, low bar, but right direction. Trump doing the coronavirus press conferences. If he doesn't, if he, could, if he pivots a little bit to taking some responsibility, it's not over. Obviously, you know, you might be living under a rock. If you have been living under a rock, uh, you know, the federal government, Trump, has sent out uh, federal troops in military garb. And they did this to a Navy veteran. You know, these Portland protests are horrific. I don't want I don't want to I don't want you to get it twisted. But something that's been bothering me about this is you see and these are people I like by the way. I like Senator Merkley, first senator to endorse Burden, Burden, Bernie, 
in 2016, I think the only senator, he's uh, proposing legislation with Ron Wyden and Murphy, Chris Murphy uh, that would require individual and agency identification on uniforms of all officers and prevent unmarked vehicles from being used in arrests, limit federal agents' crowd control activities to federal property and its immediate vicinity, require disclosure on an agency website within 24 hours of deployment, specifying the number of personnel and purposes of deployment, make arrests in violation of these rules unlawful. So you got this in response to Trump deploying federal agents to Portland. And 100%. I agree with it. Then you have uh, Ron Wyden, another senator from Portland, uh, from Oregon. This weekend, a peaceful protester was shot in the head with a potentially deadly crowd control munition after Donald Trump deployed federal law enforcement to Portland. Trump thinks he could treat law enforcement as his personal occupying army. Not on my watch. I'm demanding answers. And then he posted a letter he wrote to the president. But... What bothers me, and again, this is with the selective action from Democrats. When it's Trump, they'll act. And they should act, by the way. This is out of control, what Trump is doing. It's fascism, straight up. It should not be allowed. Federal agents have no business in American cities as American citizens are protesting. The fact that Trump has uh, signaled he is going to send more troops in. I don't know why he thinks this is a good thing. It's going to egg on his space, but it's totally going to push away independence. And most importantly, I mean, this is fascism. So I resisted calling Trump a fascist and comparing him to Hitler and these things for years because I thought a lot of it was hyperbolic. But this is fascism, 100%. So we could not look the other way. But what bothers me about it is... Why is, you see all these Democrats decrying it when it's Trump and federal troops? I didn't see Merkley or Ron Wyden come out when just the Portland Police Department was cracking people's skulls for weeks. So when it's federal troops coming in, yes, fascism, oh, we need to propose legislation, all this, that, and the other thing. But when it's just your police department tear-gassing people, shooting projectiles at point-blank range in Portland, you saw on our channel we acquired footage uh, from a freelancer in Portland. Hell, in New York, cities around the country, you want to make laws that uh, federal troops need to identify themselves? How about you start with the police? All over the country. I've seen police officers in New York, uh, D.C., Louisville, not wearing their badges, no identification. Where's the legislation for that? You're on the public dime. So if it's Trump sending in troops in a fascist, authoritative way, we need to propose legislation. We're all over Twitter. And they should be. Again, don't get it twisted. This is not a defense of Trump. But there is no intellectual consistency. There's no ideological consistency. And by the way, is it, it's a problem when federal troops are disbanded 
into Portland and other places, where the hell were these people when the Department of Homeland, Se- Department of Homeland Security, federal, the U.S. Marshals, federal, the FBI, federal, were literally working with a private fossil fuel company, Energy Transfer Partners, and a paramilitary group, uh, Tiger Swan, to literally surveil the Standing Rock protests, infiltrate moles into the Standing Rock camp. I ain't making it up. Read The Intercept. They did great reporting on it. You're the federal government literally hiring moles and putting them in camps in service of an oil company to surveil and divide peaceful protests in America. Now, is that the equivalent of federal troops on the ground hitting this Navy veteran with batons? Spraying tear gas in his face? No. I don't want a false equivalence here. But the point is, the resistance and these Democrats have nothing to say when the federal government, literally, you're talking three or four federal agencies were working with a tiger swan, a pretty, pretty sketchy group, the equivalent of Blackwater, working with them. At Standing Rock, pin drops, crickets. And I'd like some Democrats not just to speak up when Trump is dispatching federal troops. Yeah, speak up. Where where were you speaking up against the Seattle Police Department dispatching tear gas on its people? The only woman I heard, the only person I heard from was city councilwoman Shama Sawant, a socialist champion. Portland. Literally, the police were out of control in Portland and all the other cities. Democrats gave lip service, but they weren't proposing legislation to mandate that police keep their identification on at all times. Hell, cities and states have laws now for police departments to keep their body cameras on at all times. And in all these situations, oh, the body camera wasn't on. Malfunction, oh, they forgot. There's nothing done to the police officers in that case. So the consistency here is non-existent. And that's why I caution, just getting rid of Trump is not enough. Because these same people are going to be crickets again when it's Biden. The police will continue to be out of control and the the official line will be, you know, Trump has destroyed our norms and it's going to take President Biden and the Democrats a long time to rebuild. So be patient. We're going to have police reform. We're going to have economic reform. We're going to have criminal justice reform. We're going to have social justice reform. But right now, we just need to work to stabilize things because Trump did a number on it. 
So we can't mandate that police officers show their identification at all time, and if they don't, they immediately are fired. We can't propose legislation to make tear gas illegal in the United States. Sorry, can't do it right now. Too busy undoing what Trump did. And the media will fall in line. 